Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. We hit the reset button. The regular season is over. The postseason is upon us. So let's focus on this matchup, in particular the Rams offense, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. The Cardinals did an excellent job of limiting the effectiveness of both in the first meeting and not so good of a job in the second meeting. The defense needs to find a happy medium between the two performances. First, though, what did he say? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 525, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Okay, now we can officially close the book on the regular season. I'm in a good spot, focused on the playoffs and this matchup against the Rams. Not that the previous 18 weeks didn't matter, didn't count, but as they say, it is a new season here on January 17th, Monday Night Football. Yeah, and really, you just hit the reset button, you flush everything out, um, you can't control the past, and, and, and now the idea is to go 1-0, and and if you don't win, you go home. It's real simple. And One and done. That's right. And, you know, this Cardinals team, um, when they play complimentary football and they can protect Kyler Murray, he's not running around, uh, there was a reason why they were able to beat the Rams like they did. Now, it didn't work out the second time around, but tee it up. I'm ready for Monday Night Football. All right, we will dive into this matchup the rest of the week, looking at different parts, offense, defense, maybe even a little special teams. Again, 6.15 is the kickoff. 2.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Cardinals 11-6 at the 12-5 Los Angeles Rams. Question is, will J.J. Watt be on the football field on Monday night. This much we do know. Watt will be on the practice field on Thursday. And I say Thursday because that's the first practice of the week. With the game on Monday, everything got pushed back. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the work on the practice field. His first practice since October 22nd. Let me say that again because here we are on January 12th. First practice since October 22nd, two days before the game against the Texans when he got Hurts, and that is all we know at this moment. J.J. Watt did address the media earlier on Wednesday, but no declarations Wednesday, no promises as far as, yes, I'm playing. He doesn't know. No one knows. And he won't know, we won't know, until he actually steps foot on that football field on Thursday to figure out can he do what he is supposed to do, and that is play solid defense for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, he spoke what, close to 20 minutes. More uh, than 20 minutes. He had a lot to say. <laughs> well, and then, we haven't heard from him in a long time. No, too. and true. And he gives you, he gives you. I mean, you just see the leadership and and you know how much work he's put into it. And obviously, the last question was about his brother, so it went on a little bit longer. But there's no doubt in my mind he's playing, Craig. Really. Oh wow! Okay, I don't know anything. I just I just know how hard he's worked. We'll see what he does in the practice field. Again, he's not going to be the savior. He's a guy that could play maybe 25, 30, 35 snaps. I don't know if he'll be on a snap count. Um, do you play him more on first and second down? 
and then get your pass rushes on third down. Um, we know the Rams obviously utilize a lot of play action, so you never know when they're going to run the ball or throw the ball. Um, but the work he's put in, I would be surprised if he doesn't play on Monday Night Football. And that's just me connecting the dots. I haven't talked to anybody. I've watched him lather up before games at home. I've watched him work out on the side. Um, you know, he always has that big brace on his elbow. He's going to have to wear something else to support it. Um, he says there's no, um, there's nothing that will restrict him using both of his arms and hands. And it's, it looks like to me it was a harness they had put on him. It, it goes around his back. I mean, it's a harness where there's Velcro on there are going to make it as tight as they can. So, again, I would be surprised if he doesn't play. So if he doesn't play, that would be the bigger story for you. Well, unless something changes between now and Monday, like did he have a setback in practice? Because, I mean, we know going into this season he missed 32 games in five years. However, he played over 100 snaps, like 1,000 snaps, and he played all 16 games. But, you know, sometimes the body's like a rubber band. You can only fix it so many times. And he is under contract next year, and so I hope there's nothing that transpires where he's going to have to miss some time in the offseason. Um, but, again, just having him on the field, the presence will make a difference. I believe the plan is for him to play. Now, as I always like to tell my daughter, sometimes plans change and you have to adjust. To your point about the work on Thursday, work on Friday, work on Saturday. How does that shoulder feel? How does he feel? It was interesting because he pointed out that nothing happened to his legs. His legs were fine, so he was able to do some running, able to do some conditioning. Now the question is, all right, football activity. And he pointed out that he's already gone up against offensive linemen. It sounds like maybe some one-on-one work. Now it's about, quote, full-blown team work as far as 7-on-7, 11-on-11, but really pushing it. And it was encouraging to hear him say he's going to practice as if it was a game. And I think that's how he always operates, but more so coming back from this shoulder injury because, quote, if it feels good in practice, it'll feel good in a game. Yeah, and if we recall when, when Chandler was on COVID, he came here on a Sunday and they simulated the game because he didn't, you know, obviously when you get COVID um, and you lose weight, it wasn't 15 pounds, it was seven, so you really don't have that strength back. But he, he simulated the game. And if you can simulate the practice, you know, again, I don't know how many plays they run, but let's say, you know, He's not out there every single down on defense, but he's part of their packages when it comes to rush defense. So, yeah, like I said, I, I don't, you know, if we were looking at, you know, in the first game of the year, he played a ton. Uh, and they were 7-0 and when J.J. Watt was on the roster. And I'll never forget him and DeAndre Hopkins walking off the field together after they beat the Texans. And you're like, oh. And then you watch the replay, him going after Davis Mills, and his, his, his shoulder just went right into the ground. And then... The next play, he he was able to make another tackle, forcing him to the sidelines. It was right before the half, and then he comes out in the third quarter and he starts. He tries to play, and you could see he had a he had a tackle with his other shoulder, which is unusual. And then they shut him down. So I I, I recall that like it happened yesterday. Those two walking off the field, and that game got off to a slow start, but the Cardinals won 31-5. J.J. Watt has not experienced a loss with the Arizona Cardinals as a player on the football field. He's been on the sidelines watching his teammates, and, yeah, they've lost six games, but without J.J. Watt. On the injury itself, I know what the reports were, and J.J. Watt confirmed some of it 
and then kind of exactly specified what happened. His shoulder dislocated, quote, out the back, took everything with it on the way out. He tore his rotator cuff, his labrum, did not tear his bicep tendon. That was reported. He dislocated his bicep tendon. Underwent surgery on November 3rd, and the reason that he went through this long rehab process, although he was told four to six months, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm going to work, and if I can get back sooner, I'm going to. It will be, let's see, November 3rd is the surgery, and now here we are looking at a game on January 17th. That's less than three months, and the motivation for him, he believes this Cardinals team, in his words, is special. He said that earlier in training camp when the season began as well. So he went through a lot, a lot of work. Uh, he admitted some dark days, but again, no lack of motivation to return because of this opportunity that everyone gets in the National Football League, and that is an opportunity to play football, and it is a playoff game. And J.J. Watt did everything in his power, humanly possible, to be in this position here with an opportunity to play on Monday. Now, does he get that opportunity We'll figure that out. And I don't even think we'll know until maybe Monday if he's activated because that's the other thing to keep in mind, MJ. We're not going to see J.J. Watt on the injury report. He has not been activated. He's been designated to return, which allows him to practice, but we're not going to get, and I'm sure it will be asked to Kingsbury, Vance Joseph, when he addressed the media, hey, how did J.J. Watt look? But we're not going to know how much he was practicing. Limited, full, that won't be known correct and if we don't see him out there then something happened although I'll say this because he was able to practice on Friday we did not see him during the open portion that does not mean he didn't go out after the media was gone and I could certainly see a scenario where we don't see him on Thursday we don't see him on Friday we don't see him on Saturday if you want to quote-unquote hide how J.J. Watt looks so there's no film of him, all you're doing is missing team stretch and some position drills, which he could do that during walkthrough. You're not going to see him doing any team work. We don't see any of that anyway. Yeah, but the goal is to get on the practice field and see where he's at. I understand that, but it would not be a surprise if all of a sudden Thursday shows up and we don't see number 99, we leave. Number 99 goes on to the practice. Well, that happens all the time. Exactly. Yeah, but I I would think that he wants to be involved in some of the drills. I mean, I I don't think he'll go 100 miles an hour, but the goal is to get back on the practice field to see where he's at. And then, you know, in the next, you know, four four or five days. So you're anticipating getting an email on Sunday or Monday for gamesmanship. I think because it's a Monday night football, (laughs) it's on Mondays because no transactions on Sunday even though there are games. So I think if you're playing on Sunday, you have to activate on Saturday. But if you're playing on Monday, all those activations happen Monday afternoon. I can't remember, three, four hours before kickoff. So my guess is you won't see an email or confirmation until Monday. Because you know Kingsbury, his last time addressing the media on Saturday, he's not going to say anything. Because he hasn't said anything all season long with respect to injuries. Well, we could say that is he trending in the right direction? I mean, there's ways you can word it. a yeah. question, not so much, hey, how did he look? Well, he looks fine. Great, we all look fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Is he turning in the right direction? And Vance will let us – I mean, Vance is really honest, and 
you know, you can tell Zach Allen was cautious, and nobody would really say this until Jeremy Fowler came out with his report yesterday. But see, you know what? That was that, that was, was the that plan was no the whole news. time. There I know. was no news on that. I know that, but I'm just saying. All of a sudden, locally, they're writing stories. But we knew that on Friday. That was the plan. Just like just national like, media. Yeah, I mean, listen. There was no news in that story. I, I don't, I didn't retweet it. I didn't even follow up on it. I didn't worry about it because that was the plan. Just like when Hop and, and Kyla were out. Yes, they were practicing, but they weren't ready to play. That was the plan the entire time. Get through the bye week. It is going to be a lot of fun, and I do think if we do see him on Thursday, and obviously we see him on Monday, there is going to be an extra energy, if you will, an extra amped excitement energy level on that sideline because as much as you try to be an assistance when you're hurt it's much different when you're in uniform and you're standing next to your teammates as opposed to you're in street clothes and you're telling them what to do I do think this team will get a jolt the question is how long will that jolt be sustained and does it matter if J.J. Watt's on the field or off the field? Is he playing 20 snaps? Is he playing 10? Is he playing 35? Look, there's no tomorrow, yet with J.J. Watt there is a career to think about, and he did mention that he would not play if he thought he was going to be a detriment to this team. If he was going to make the team worse by being on that football field, he's not going to play. Now the question becomes, who makes that decision? Is that J.J. saying, I don't have it? Or do the coaches notice something during practice and say, you know what, you're going to need a couple of more days, maybe another week. Don't rush it. So that's, that's going to be the interesting conversation because as a competitor, you want to be out there on that football field. I, I don't think there's about rushing anything. There's no guarantee if they don't win. There's, I mean, again, I just think the whole plan is to him to play. I unless Again, we have to wait and see. Could be a setback. Um how much is he able to do the first couple of days of practice? He's been out there. He's been running. Conditioning-wise, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. Now, when you play defensive line, it's, you know, every you, you got you to gotta run, stop, run, stop, and then, you know, sometimes you got to run off the field. But from a conditioning standpoint, in the way he takes care of his body um, in the weight room and what he's able to do, um, that shouldn't be a concern. But, again, we just have to wait and see what he looks like on the field and – you're 100% right when you say we're not going to see it, but I'm just saying in general, there's there's ways that when when Vance addresses the media, uh, when Cliff addresses the media for the last time on Saturday, because they will have a, a workout, that's all we're going to be able to go on. That's all. And then we can ask other players, hey, how does J.J. look? And you, you probably should ask more defensive players, defensive players even though he is tr- going to have to go against the offensive linemen in certain drills or at least some. We don't see that. I mean, again, they're not going to go 100 miles an hour. You know, they'll probably tone it down about 80% because the last thing you want to do is have a setback. True. On J.J. Watt asked about his return. Quote, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not doing all this work, and I'm not trying to come back at half the time for no reason. I'm here to try and do one thing and that's accomplished our ultimate goal. I, I actually raised my hand, and somebody had asked the question, earlier that to that my thought was once he had the surgery and they told him it was going to be four to six months and he started mapping out his rehab was was there one day where you thought this is possible and I think it was Darren asked him kind of a paraphrase in here and he said 
it wasn't just one day. I, I knew once I had the surgery and our rehab and, you know, with the with the doctors here and the facility and, and working with the trainers, he said I knew it was possible, which to me is remarkable. And really, at the end of the day, um, and I don't say win or lose because if, if the Cardinals lose, it's going to be an afterthought. But this is a remarkable story for a guy that even try this. Some guys would have tapped out, Craig, and that's not who he is. That's not the fiber of he is. That's not what he stands for. He's done it before, come back from major injury, major surgery, and it's that belief that he has. Yeah, you might get down, but in his words, he believed a return was possible every second because that's what you have to do if you want to return because the minute that all of a sudden you think otherwise, then it doesn't happen. The only thing there, that was a tendon. So, again, it's always minor surgery for somebody else. <laughs> this was major surgery, Craig. So that was a little bit different. That was a little bit different. But the fact is he worked hard enough to come back and play in a playoff game, and they won that playoff game after trailing to the Bills. Again, dislocated shoulder. Tore his rotator cuff, his labrum, dislocated his bicep tendon, and here he is. That was on October 24th, and here he'll be on January 13th on the practice field. Yeah, that that is correct. So I'm just thinking, so usually when, when a guy gets hurt like that, and I'm sure he went out and got first and second opinions, I mean – there's specialists out there. I mean, and I'm sure in this day and age you can send the x-ray. But you have to wait for the swelling to go down. That happened with Dennis Gardeck. And look how fast he came back. Um, different injury, ACL. I don't know if it was reconstructive or it was a clean tear. But he had to wait for the swelling to go down. So the timing of it allowed him to be in this situation where he could possibly return um, to practice, which is going to happen. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's kind of advance this. Not assuming that J.J. Watt will be on the football field because you know what happens when you assume. But let's plan, as we discussed. The plan is, now plans might change, but the plan is, at least in our words, J.J. Watt plays. All right, so how much of a factor, how much of a difference can J.J. Watt be in this game on Sunday? Remember, First meeting, J.J. Watt had two quarterback hits, actually was the defense's highest-graded player per pro football focus, did not play in that second meeting. So if you look at these two meetings, and specifically the pass rush and Matthew Stafford, first meeting, Cardinals had zero sacks, five quarterback hits, and they won that ball game convincingly. Second meeting, Cardinals recorded three sacks, Four quarterback hits, yet I remember post game and looking at Stafford's numbers and then going, wait, they sacked him three times. I mean, he was basically a statue in the pocket, had all time to throw, and his numbers reflected: twenty three of thirty, two hundred eighty seven yards, and three touchdowns. That was in the second game, yet they got three sacks and four quarterback hits. That there's a disconnect in the numbers versus what we see on a piece of paper versus what we saw on the football field between those two meetings. All right. So the way I look at it is I assume he'll start the game. Um, again, uh, will he be on a uh, snap count? We don't know that. They probably won't tell us that. Um, but I got to assume he's not going to play, you know, 70% of the snaps. I mean, 
And Steve Kime said on Burns and Gamble last right, he would not rule anything out, but he hasn't stepped on the practice field yet. So um, how does he impact the game? Well, first of all, his presence on the field, and it should free other guys up. Marcus Golden has tailed off over the last couple of weeks when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Still plays with the energy. Um, I know the one game he took a bad angle uh, in the red zone and they end up scoring on that drive. But now Chandler Jones, he's been in the backfield a lot lately. So and then you, you look at that rotation between Richard Lawrence, Corey Peters, um, uh, Lucky Fotu, Michael Dogby. Um, they brought Zach Kerr back today on the practice squad. We'll see if he's elevated. But I think, they, you know, you, you're only going to address six or seven defense alignments. So now it, it, it helps the rotation. And then that's where the linebackers, Hicks and Simmons, and then Golden and um, – Chandler Jones, that's where they're going to that the, he'll add a different element on paper what the front seven looks like compared to the last couple of months. And you'll have to account for him if you're the Los Angeles Rams. If you're Matthew Stafford, I don't care at least if I'm him it doesn't matter to me if J.J. Watt has missed two years. <laughs> if he's playing you have to know where J.J. Watt is because they'll move him around and again his legs, no issues. He'll still be explosive off the line of scrimmage. Okay, so when we look at the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and according to Pro Football Focus, they rank seventh based on the regular season. So Andrew Whitworth, who turned 40, he had an 86.1 grade. Rob Halvestein, who didn't play in the last game, he had an 81.7. Brian Allen, who didn't play in the last game, he's the center. He has 80.1. David Edwards, 67-5, and Austin Colbert, 69-6. That's where you got to attack. you got to attack the interior because Andrew Whitworth, he's seen everything. Now Chandler obviously has, you know, he's had the opportunity to get around him just because of his arm strength or his, his long arms and the way he dips that left shoulder to go around. So to me, and, and Vance actually early on he was more playing like defensive tackle, uh, not so much nose tackle. And then they started moving him around a little bit more. He was playing defensive end in a 3-4. So that's when we were talking about you can put line him up. Um, maybe you want Chandler getting one-on-one, -on -one, but you want him on the other side, and that's Golden over there. So there's ways to move him around. So, uh, But I think you've got to do intact interior, and we know any NFL quarterback doesn't like pressure up the middle. Now, this is not Jared Goff where you're going to see bootlegs. Yeah, they will move the pocket for Stafford, but if you get pressure up there, then all of a sudden that's when you're hoping, as Vance always say, get the quarterback off his spot. So it's got to start from the interior because they're really talented on the outside with their tackles. That is the best way to impact a quarterback is straight ahead. Now it's you know the quickest way between two points is a straight line. Now in the NFL it might be the most difficult because there's so much obstacles in front of you, guard, center, running back. That's why a lot of the sacks are from the outside because it's the blind spot or you're making that direct shot but further away from the line of scrimmage as far as where the ball is snapped. So I like what you're saying because if you can impact Stafford up the middle, we've seen this season. Go back to the Vikings game. Three interceptions, and there was a horrible one when he was backpedaling in the end zone and just kind of threw it to try to make, I don't know if he was trying to avoid a safety or I don't know what he was thinking, but he threw it right into the arms of a Vikings defender and it was a pick six. 
Matthew Stafford is going to make mistakes. As good as his numbers are, he's top 10 in attempts, completions, number three in yards, finished second behind Tom Brady with 41 touchdowns. But the other number that people point to, 17, as in 17 interceptions, the most in the NFL tied with Trevor Lawrence. And four of those 17 were pick sixes. So if you can make Stafford uncomfortable, he will cough it up. That's been his history, something that he's been working on, trying to correct. But until he does it, and specifically does it in the postseason where he's 0-3 and now has a better team around him, there's a lot of pressure already on Matthew Stafford before he even steps foot on the field. So all of a sudden now you add more pressure up the middle physical pressure not the mental pressure that he's probably facing the physical pressure yeah I do like this matchup from that standpoint Cardinals rushing upfield against Matthew Stafford yeah and the thing is Craig they're winning football games though in spite yeah despite there he's doing enough I mean there's no door number two (laughs) I mean Vince Ferragamo's not walking through that door anytime so Kyler Murray, completion percentage, second in the league, close to 70%. 14th in, in yards based on him missing some games. 24 TDs, 12th. Quarterback rating, 56.8, that's seventh. Rating, um, quarterback QBR is seventh. Rating 100.6, eighth, 11-6 and six record, well, team record, playoffs and Pro Bowl. That, that's Kyler Murray's season – in a, in, a, in a nutshell, 2021. So, in other words, Stafford has 41 touchdowns? Yes. So, but again, if you look at the numbers, the Cardinals' offense is equal to what they're doing. They, The Cardinals have much more ru- rushing touchdowns. They have more passing touchdowns. They both have 52 touchdowns across the board. Um and you look at the they're both at 6352 and it's real close and even on the even their drives cardinals are 180 and they're 181 it's so close uh, third down or red zone completions very close 44 45% so yeah McVay gets all this credit but kingsbury and his offense they they go toe to toe and it's just stats but you can you can see where how how this offense has um evolved Throughout the course of the year, now we're going to look back at the last, the last you know, four or five games, and it happens every year. Teams start to figure you out. It happened last year with Brian Flores and Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, some teams will try to keep Kyler in the pocket. Some will um, make sure that um, they're going to put a spy on him. Which you know, you know how I feel about that. They take him out of coverage, but yeah, it, it's just. But I just think at the end of the year. When you get to, you know, maybe after the bye week for each team, teams start to figure you out. And I think teams are starting to figure out Matthew Stafford to where they're able to get some interceptions. I mean, four pick sixes, I mean, that, that – listen, I think you and I have been doing the show long enough to you know what I feel. In the postseason, if you get a special teams touchdown, you get a pick six, or you go for a fake punt, that magnifies – Versus the regular season, because oh, we'll just overcome it. That could be the that could be a difference in any game, and that's about protecting the football and trying to force turnovers. And he's going to throw us one. 
with Stafford in the pocket or out of the pocket, there was an in- interesting conversation on the NFL Network, Willie McGinnis talking about this matchup. And because of what we just discussed as far as the pressure affecting a Matthew Stafford, and you brought up sometimes they'll roll him out, but maybe they slide that pocket more left and right, and they do roll him out. Not as much as we saw with Jared Goff because that was an absolute killer. Uh, watching Jared Just Goff, the bootlegs and the waggle yeah, plays. Yeah, but just – even if you're rolling out or it's a half rollout, Stafford sets his feet just to buy him a little bit more time and also allow his receivers, and we'll get into this here in a moment, but allow his receivers a little bit extra time to beat their coverage and get open. And I, I don't know how much comfort there is with Matthew Stafford as far as being in the pocket versus being out of the pocket. He's not a scrambling quarterback, but as far as his ability to throw on the run or rolling outs and then throwing how much effect or how effective is he outside the pocket versus inside the pocket. But I could see perhaps one of those adjustments, if you will, of more Matthew Stafford rolling outs or sliding that pocket left or right. Yeah, he, he will run, but not like Kyler Murray. He, he's going to run to the sidelines. If he's being flush out of the pocket, and you don't see him run to his left a lot. But he normally, you know, because you got to throw across your body if, he's, if somebody's coming back for the comeback route. He does run, but it's only to, to get out of bounds and so he doesn't get hit. But he will just, just you know, the old saying, play for another down, it's okay to punt in this league. He, he'll do that. But you don't. I don't have. You don't have to worry about him running in the open field. Plus, he's not very uh, fleet of foot. <laughs> you should be able to tackle him in a heartbeat. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As we dive into this wild card matchup, Cardinals and Rams meeting for the third time this season, and why so much attention on Matthew Stafford and getting that pass rush, especially up the middle is because of this wide receiver core and the perhaps banged-up Cardinals secondary. So as we look at who Matthew Stafford is throwing the football to, let's just touch on that first and foremost. One, and maybe one, two, and three, Cooper Cup, the triple crown wide receiver winner, meaning he led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Now, once again, you look at Matthew Stafford and what the Cardinals did as far as sacks in the first meeting versus the second meeting. The numbers are don't add up as far as how successful the Cardinals were in the first game, not so in the second game. You look at Cooper Cup's numbers, however, and his numbers do translate on what the Cardinals were able to accomplish. Remember, game one, week four, Cardinals won. Cup held to a season-low 64 receiving yards. He had five catches on 13 targets. Second time around. 123 receiving yards, one touchdown on a career-high 13 catches on 15 targets. So the targets were the same. The receiving yards, vastly different. And now it's like, okay, well, why? And the big reason why is because of injury, personnel. No Robert Alford. You know, that that that's that that loss is becoming bigger and bigger as the season progresses just from a physicality standpoint but i you know i i did a uh, video and you can go to azcardinals.com with danny sarek um she does a great job and we we focus on a couple different topics but they they beat him up in that first game there were a lot of hits legal hits but physical no it's football i mean it's a physical sport i mean but I know I remember on the four or five yard line. I think it was Byron Murphy went over there and he hit him hard. 
So that's – and I don't know if the Cardinals can afford to play man-to-man because he's one of the best route runners in the league. I mean, we look at Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett and, and focusing more on the, on the conference and the division. Yeah, but, you know, you look at it. Third, first game, five catches, 13 targets, 64 yards. This game, you mentioned the 15 targets, 13 catches, 123 yards. You look at his overall numbers. He is 7-1. and one with the Rams playing against the Cardinals. He has 54 catches, 606 yards, averaging 11.2 yards per catch, four touchdowns. He's targeted uh, in, in his, car, his career against the Cardinals about eight times a game, but that number is going up now because of how the connection. And you're right. You talk about um, he led the NFL with 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns. He is the fourth player since 1970 to lead the NFL, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdown receptions in the same season, joining Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp, and Steve Smith. Now the 1947 receiving yards are the second most in a single season, only trailing Calvin Johnson. He had 1964, and that was in 2012. So his 145 receptions are the second most in a season, Annually, trailing only Michael Thomas, he had 149. So, um, I mean, he's recorded 11 games of at least 100 receiving yards, tied with Pro Football Hall of Famers Michael Irvin and Calvin Johnson. They both did it 11 times. Now, this is the postseason, so that won't count for a regular season. But, and the fact that he went to – what school did he go to? It's a good question. I don't, I, Eastern Washington? It's a, yeah, it's a small school. I mean, it's not a you know no. Ohio State, Alabama, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, and I and I hope like you know, Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore, Andy Isabella just hasn't been able to do it. But I, I'm I'm hoping this, some of the, one of these Cardinal guys can be kind of like this guy. I mean, not saying put all those yards up, but just run great routes, Chris routes where you always feel like he's open, and that's the connection. We talk about Russell Wilson working with DK Metcalf. As soon as that trade went down, you could tell Cooper Cup and and Matthew Stafford were throwing. And it obviously led over to off-season workouts, training camp, and then the regular season. But they are on the same page. They almost, and I'm sure Kyler has a lot of signals he gives his guys. There's signals that he he sees, that he's he knows he's going to him. I mean, it's it's like, hey, we're going to run the ball. You better try to stop it. We're going to throw it. I, you know, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get the the two-yard or four-yard catch it becomes a thirty-yard catch. In, in other words, you got to try to keep everything in front of you. Easier said than done because his catch radius, as small as he is, he's very shifty. He can stop on a dime and change direction. And he has that double move where, it you know, we got a chance to see A.J. Green, but he's obviously much older, more uh, – he's much taller. Him, he gets out of his brakes. He does that double move. You're, you're on a – honestly, they're, they're like on roller skates in the secondary because you don't know which direction he's going to go. Kingsbury said it's going to take, quote, a group effort – to slow down Cooper Cup because also don't forget about OBJ. Don't forget about he's Van Jefferson. Nice, he's been a nice addition. He helped them. You know, they were 0-3. He helped them get some wins in the month of December. Uh, and, again, Robert Alford would be the perfect matchup for him because Robert Alford's physical. But OBJ, he's 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 a weapon. And, you know, the, the, the fact is that they don't have Robert Woods – but they still have a quarterback that can make all the throws. So two weeks ago, Cardinals go into Dallas and basically, 
I wouldn't say I won't say shut down, but severely limited the production from the Cowboys wide receivers. And there is a belief, maybe you share it, MJ, that the Cowboys wide receivers, the best wide receiver group in the NFL. Now, if you've done it two weeks ago and you didn't have Robert Alford and you didn't have Marco Wilson against the Cowboys, here against the Rams with a stud wide receiver and two very good, I won't say complimentary pieces, but two very capable wide receivers, again, you're looking at a trio. Cardinals have shown they can, but I do think it goes back to, all right, can you affect the quarterback? But this defense last week did not hold up. And what are we talking about? You lose Kevin Peterson, and all of a sudden that that secondary really had a drop-off. It fell off the cliff. And we're talking about Kevin Peterson, someone who's on the practice squad right now, <laughs> not and, on the active roster. And he hasn't been cleared for concussion protocol. They're expecting to hear something today, according to Kingsbury. So, you know, you're not going to have Robert Alford. Who knows about Marco Wilson? That's another player to keep an eye on this week. Kevin Peterson, keep an eye on him. So, you know you have Byron Murphy. You know you got Antonio Hamilton. You know you got Breon Borders and perhaps, hopefully, Bashad Breland. So, you do have bodies. But my point is, okay, the Cardinals did it two weeks ago. So, they can do it on Monday. The only difference is, Craig, they were able to shut the run game down. And Dak Prescott is not as accurate as Matthew Stafford. That was the difference. And last week... Uh, Borders, I mean, he didn't get the call. He didn't get the call. And then you know, I can't fault the guy who's only been here a little while. He didn't get the call. But they, they made a call and he didn't hear it. And that's why Tyler Lockett scored there. Um, the 62 yard run by Penny, that was on Kennard. He, he, he went upfield. I showed you a still picture, and it's misleading on a still picture, but you, you got a chance to see the highlight. Yep. It's all he had to do was just move over. He's going up the field. They, he makes that tackle. So these are little things that obviously it allow the Seahawks to win that football game, but yeah, I mean it's they're gonna they're gonna have to create a pass rush and make him uncomfortable and and hopefully they can cover and I think Jalen Thompson and Buddha have been fine. I, I think Isaiah Simmons, yes, you know he's got a lot of a lot of upside. He can he can line up in the slot. I don't think he can cover Cooper cover Cooper cover just too quick out of the break. That's my opinion, even though he, you know, if Stafford underthrows it, he's going to get it. But, yeah, it's just they got they got to make sure they they get him off the spot. And the best thing would be to get him in third and long. You know, that means, you know, Sony Michelle, they got Cam Akers coming back. Um, you know, he, Stafford doesn't really run. So if you can somehow make them one-dimensional and force him to beat you, I'm willing to take our chances there. Kingsbury asked about where he's focused on the defense this week, and it's what you touched on, the explosive plays, the big plays, and that's been a point of emphasis. The Cardinals' defense has allowed 19 pass plays of 20 or more yards in the past five games. Last week, Seahawks had six pass plays of 20 or more yards. In that second meeting, the Rams, big reason why they won, three pass plays of 40 or more yards, a season worst for this defense. So, yeah, getting J.J. Watt on the football field can definitely help the pass defense and help those guys in the secondary because if you look at those first seven games, the run defense was hit or miss, but the pass defense was great. Now, of course, you had 
Watt on the field and Robert Alford on the field. But with J.J. Watt not on the field, the run defense, again, has been spotty, but the pass defense has really, really dropped off. And it goes back to your string analogy. If the pass rushers are doing their job, then the secondary doesn't have nearly as much time to cover because I don't care who you are. You can be an all-pro corner, a Hall of Fame corner, but if you're being asked to cover someone four, five seconds, it's impossible. Well, and then the scramble drill. Now, I will say this, though. And when we got a chance to talk to Christian Kirk today, and I got to say, I, I, I really like enjoy talking to him. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Corey Peters fan. I, Rossi Rucker was here. There's a lot of guys that you just listen to what they're saying, and you can kind of figure it out. You go on a 19-play drive. You chew up you know, a good portion of the clock. You go on a 14-play drive. You go on a 14-play drive, and you're settling for field goals. And that's been the biggest difference where that's where you play complementary football. You, you can't kick field goals against the Rams. Now, Stafford, lifetime against the Cardinals. Four, five, and one, completing 64% of his passes, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, quarterback rating about 89. So it's not like he's like – I know Cooper Cup is a wide receiver, but since Cooper Cup's been there, they're seven and one against the Cardinals. We know that that streak broke when they beat him um, in, in Los Angeles. But four, five, and one. So I'll take our chances. Yeah, because the Cardinals have seen him for a number of different games. Since 2009. Well, when you're playing the Lions every yeah, single season. and that was the first year. It was 2009, and, and, and he, they actually he was inactive that game, so it would have been 2012. But there is enough film yes. on Matthew Stafford, yep. whether it's with the Lions or the Rams, and then you have to account for the offensive linemen and the wide receivers. Well, but and just, they know his tendencies. And just uh, McVay's scheme versus what he was doing in Detroit. So, look, I know the Cardinals are underdogs, and rightfully so. They are limping into the postseason, losers of four or five. Later on this week, we'll talk about what the offense needs to do against this Rams defense. But as far as where the Cardinals can attack the Rams offensively, it goes back to the pass rush, at least for me, and making sure that, yeah, you want to stop the run, but – I'll even go for as far as saying get into the backfield and and not stop Matthew Stafford, but hit him, make him uncomfortable, get him Let off him, his spot, have him start thinking about hey who's coming to my left or to my right because you're, you're taught at a young age maybe not you know maybe it's more when you get to varsity or or you know college football quarterbacks cannot look at the rush you have to feel the rush but if people are 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 Getting close enough to your legs and knees, it's human nature just to look down. Tackle for losses would go a long way. Tackle for losses, now you put them in second and 13. You know, you know that tackle for losses, but just getting an opportunity. Don't let him sit in the pocket and scan the field because he's accurate enough, and that's the reason why they went out and went all in for Matthew Stafford because they're hosting the Super Bowl this year, and I know Stan Kroenke's made it very clear. I better not see another NFC team play in the Super Bowl than the Rams. So to me, that's motivation. I love the Cardinals are flying under the radar. It's zero and zero. You win, you move on. You lose, you go home. That's it. What happened in the past this year, yes, you can go by tendencies and um, trends, you know, how you match up with them, but it's not going to mean anything come Monday night. All that stuff has been done. Now you go – and 
I thought Kyle Vandenbosch brought up a great point, and I was going to ask Kingsbury, but probably not the right time because he was trying to win the game. But usually teams look at the last four games you played, and there's carryover. So playing in division games, there's carryover. Now you go back to the two games you played against him. But was Cliff saving anything to where the Rams, again, he wouldn't admit to that because he tried to win the game. They just didn't play up to par. But there's things that maybe he didn't show in the last four weeks because we know he works ahead. Yes. And I can tell you right now, the scouts have looked at all of the teams that they possibly could play, and that goes in the file if they happen to advance. So it wouldn't surprise me if he held something in, in his in his toolbox. I don't know that for sure, but I thought it was a great point to where we're not going to show all our cards here. We're still going to try to win. Don't get him. I don't want to mislead anybody, but we know Cliff works ahead, and if he sees tendencies, what other teams, what the Niners do, what did Garoppolo do? They got hot, and and so I I I don't know that for sure, but it kind of I I would say there's something to it, but it, I just don't know. We'll just have to wait and see the play call sheet, or wait to we see how the game plan uh, unfolds. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A couple of other items with respects to the roster and injuries. Again, we'll know more on Thursday, but at least as we speak here on Wednesday, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Jonathan Ward, all day to day, according to Kingsbury. Full confidence from the head coach, and we'll hear it all week long if players get asked about it as well with Jonathan Ward and Eno Benjamin if they have to step up as far as play some running back. Tanner Vallejo is available as an inside linebacker. He's been activated off the reserve COVID-19 list. Joe Walker has been released. We'll see if he gets added to the practice squad perhaps later on in the week. And speaking of the practice squad, this little notes from Los Angeles. The Rams have signed veteran safety Eric Weddle to the practice squad. The expectation, though, is that he will be available and in uniform on Monday because, as we discussed, Jordan Fuller is done for the season. Their starting safety, defensive captain, play caller on the defensive side, he's out with an ankle injury. Taylor Rapp is in concussion protocol, so there's a need for somebody, and why not find somebody? Yes, veteran of 13 seasons. Weddle hasn't played since 2019, but... He was with the Rams in 2019, so there's a little bit of familiarity. Yeah, different coordinator, but I'm sure they have the same concepts. Um, 37 years old, and he was a great player with the uh, the Ravens, and um, you know he's gonna, I guess he's going to chance to possibly win a ring and only playing in the postseason. But hopefully, we can uh, have him go home <laughs> early than later in the postseason. Talk about one and done. Maybe Eric Weddle is one and done. <laughs> hey, sign me up. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.